How many has read Psalms 1 in the past two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. If you haven't read, Lynn, I'm surprised. If you, you need to get your Bible and read Psalms chapter 1 every morning, every day. You need to read it every day or at least try to read that one scripture every day because it puts a deep truth that will sustain you and, and keep you focused on what you're going to do that day and what you have done. And uh, I encourage you to read Psalms 1. This evening, we're going to go into the New Testament. We're going to go into uh, John chapter 13. And regardless, if you see yourself as instrumental in the kingdom of God and, and making a difference um, in, in people's lives, you do. It's... Um, A lot of people make it personal, don't see how personal they are and what they stand for and what they represent. But what I want to talk to you about is lead by example. Leading by example, and, and the first point is going to be by performance. Performance. Perform. Does performance mean that it's not real, that it's, that it's illegitimate, or that it's uh, fake? No, definitely not. I remember I had someone tell me once that we all try to perform our best. And when he first said it, it hit me kind of funny as, as pastors and things. But in essence, all of our lives is about not fake performance, but about performing, how you perform. If you're having a job and, and you have certain criteria you have in your job, it's, uh, your performance is what gets you um, raises, what keeps your job. Are you with me? And, it, and what I want to talk to you tonight is about your performance John 13 and verse 14. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, so also you ought to wash another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do it as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say that to you that the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent. Neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. It's very important, and Jesus was teaching them something that was contrary to how everybody else lived at that time. At that time, there was when people was the Lord, there was always people waiting on them on their beckoning call. Anything they said to do, anything they, wherever they told them to go, regardless of what it was, it was something that was uh, very obvious in their life that they had to perform it. But Jesus is saying to us, let me get my thoughts. Verse 15, as an example, that you should be willing to serve regardless of what the job is. And I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest things it is for me, many times, I'm going I'm to talk about food bank for, for a minute. I had been down there in a long time and witnessed any of it. How many of you are volunteers in the food bank ministry? If you volunteer in the food bank ministry, hold your hand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You put your hands down. When I saw that, that was the greatest example of this church washing one another's feet. They not be, may not be people who attend here, may not be people that, that you know, but you're washing each other's feet because everything you do is a service unto those people. It was, and I've, I've made reference to it a lot lately, but there's a lot of us, many times, 
We have no desire to serve people. We just don't. We like to be served. We like to take care of us. We're not willing to go out of our way to do anything for anybody else. And with this example, we see that Jesus is trying to teach us. Let me ask you, what is important about serving? What is important about taking up and, and doing something for other people? What is, what is important about that? This is like Wednesday nights right now. What? It's about meeting the need that they have. And maybe you may think that they don't even need it, but you do it anyway. I know that a lot of people that come to food bank, some of them really need it. Some of them really don't. Some of them play the system and go all over to get the, the benefits of receiving what people are giving away. And it's easy for, for me, maybe, to sit and think only about those ones that are just doing it for whatever reason with no respect. I know that we've come a long way in our food bank. I remember years ago when I used to work in every month, we had a lot of people that came and was never grateful. I remember one time we had a, a whole bunch of eggs to give out, a whole bunch. And there was a guy by the name of Trevor at that time. I followed him out to one of the cars that he'd done, and he gave this, and, and I went and walked up on the situation. And she had a couple eggs broken in her dozen eggs. She told him she didn't want those. She wanted him to go back and get those. I said, well, wait a minute. You take what you get, and you be grateful for what you do have. And the same with us. We have to learn to, learn to be a mindset of a servant in all that we do. Verse 16. Verily, verily, I send to you that the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. I had a point in this. Oh. We, we have a tendency sometimes to, to elevate ourselves when we think that they're higher than other people because of the things that we do or we don't do. And... And this situation is not that he is not higher than those, that he is not greater than the one he sent him, and then the one uh, who, who, let me get my thought together. Uh, let me just read my notes. Many times through position, we lose our servanthood. And many times it's in our position that we lose our servanthood. When, let's take for me, for instance, I can pick on me because I'm here, but if I'm always thinking I'm better than those that I'm serving, whether it's in food bank, whether it's been, um, I don't know what else we may do, but when anytime we elevate ourselves because of our position, you may be the, the, the pastor's wife. Let me just say this. My wife is never seen up here. She doesn't desire to be seen. She doesn't want to be. But my wife is always on the backside of scenes and in, in between and in between services on Wednesday night, she's in the middle of everything goes on in the back. She doesn't do what she does because she likes it. Well, maybe she does, but not because she uh, receives a feather in her cap or because of the accolades of men. But she does things simply because her heart is right. You, you would you'd be surprised when she comes to me and says, Why, we got to take care of this. we got to take care of this. And I'm like, any man? Yes. Oh, you're right, hon. No, I, I say, okay, okay. But her, still, her desire is to see things done correctly. And many times when we get in the wrong position, and some of you, let me ask you, think about that. When you're put in a position, does it go to your head? There's some people that go to certain jobs, and when they get put into an elevated position, they seem to lose who they were, and they get caught up in the lostness of it. Go to chapter 14 and verse 2 through 5. 
That is the wrong passage. Mercy. Well, I don't know. Oh. Stay with me. Well, let me just cover it. It wasn't that verse, it's verse before that. When Jesus uh, was going to wash their feet, one of the things that he done is that he knew that the things that were going on before that. Go to verse... Uh, Verse 10, Jesus said unto him, oh, nope, not with that. That's verse 2. And now suffer me and the devil had put into it, Simon, the Judas Iscariot's heart, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that, that he was from God, and he went to God. And I'm going to stop here for just a minute. With that understanding, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew the person he was going to be serving. He knew that Judas himself would be there in the room, and he was on the, earlier that day, he was betraying him. And, and many times, us, many times us, if somebody does us a little wrong, we automatically, instantly hold it against them. How many ever had somebody do something wrong to you? You may not understand it. It may totally blow you away. You can't believe why. But does that in any way give you the right to respond incorrectly? I think the greatest thing that he's taught us here about being a servant is that you're a servant regardless. And he was a servant regardless of what Judas had done. The next thing you're doing by example is production. Production. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Verse 16. Do you know them? You will know them by the fruits. Do men gather grapes or of, of thorns or of figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree that it bringeth forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruits, by their production, what they produce. And let me ask us, in our servanthood, does it have to be something that somebody recognizes? Do you serve in this church because someone will recognize you? Do you? The security have their meetings so that people can say, oh, they're having another security meeting and everybody can do an awe about that. Does it praise and worship, invite people to come and watch them. Uh, Y'all don't invite people to come and watch you, do you? It's a closed session. It's something that they are working on the details of their, of their production of what they are doing to exam, for an example unto us. You will be recognized by your, 
Yeah, by your fruits. You'll be recognized by your, by your willingness and your, what you produce. <clears throat> if there was a, there's an example that many of us go to places and we're, we're kind of known before we get there. And some of the reasons we're known are not very pleasant. And some of the reasons that we go are not very respectable. But we are known by our fruits. Also, you produce, you also produce results. Maybe I'm tired. I don't know. Also, you produce results, positive and negative. Oftentimes, man, I'll tell you, times I've been aggravated in the past, and my wife has caught me a few times, and, and I've and, but it's still a reflection of what's on the inside, how we're producing results every day and day and day and out. If we're not producing, we're cut down and burned. And I know that doesn't seem like it's very, very uh, considerate or whatever, but that's how we're viewed. But if we're not producing good fruit, the Lord is going to cast down and burn us. Well, I'll tell you what, I put my shoe in my mouth at the time. Let me ask you, are you, are you profitable? Am I profitable for what I'm doing? Make a difference in people's lives and just things working in my life in a way that it'll reach other people. All those that are here tonight are here for a variety of reasons and, and you've got a lot of experience on a lot of things going on in your life. But everywhere you go, there is something extremely important is, is that you conduct yourself properly. Is that there's results and there's fruits and there's there's a benefit in being around you, but often we don't think about outside of church. There's anything that we have been benefited. And I'll I'll be like everybody else when I leave here, but that's really not the case, because there needs to be some so so performance based in your life that people respect what you do and what you say and how you carry yourself. That makes sense now, okay? But how many of us are falling short? And how many of us got more that we need to, to be performing in, and not in a fake way, not in putting on a show, but your performance does matter. Your performance everywhere you go, in front of your family, in front of your work, in front of, your, in front of just whoever sees you, it's important. Verse 29. I make comments about this, and I, and I say it often, about many times about who we are and how we conduct ourselves and, and what we mean to other people. But when we teach, and you're teaching every day, and when you preach, and when you say things, and when you represent Christ every day, when you go out into the public, let us teach, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Let us teach. Let us proclaim. Let us make a difference in people's lives instead of just being like another church people. Well, I go to the assembly, and, and it doesn't, there's nothing because of the name that makes us important, but it is a while how we represent our Lord and how we represent ourselves because of him that makes a difference. There needs to be authority of what we say and how we say it, and it needs to be very intimate in every, every one of our lives. None of us can just, for granted, just say whatever and think that it matters. It doesn't matter because it does. Right? It matters. As one having authority, 
The first one was performing it by example, and Jesus led by example, and, and, and he served, and he, and he gave it to them, and he washed their feet, and he took his clothes off, and put a towel around and washed their feet. The second one, it was producing by example. And there was things in their life that's often coming off of us. What are some of the fruits? Love, is there love? It's joy, peace, and suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Against those things, there is nothing negative. But they should always be a part of our life. If we can't get those things out of our life as a, as a believer, there's something missing. And I often wonder how many of us are missing that something that makes us distinctly different than other people. It doesn't make you any better. It doesn't make you seem smarter. But there is something about someone who speaks with authority. In Luke chapter 17... Conducting ourselves without ever sending somebody off or sending somebody spiraling because it takes something we take for or take it out of context or whatever. But verse verse one and two is very powerful, and I think it applies to every one of us. Then he said it to the disciples. Who did he say it to? Tonight, Jesus came in here, if he was, if he was sitting down in the midst, if he, if, he said, if he said to his disciples, would I be one of those? Would he be saying something this, this intimate and this powerful to a group of people he didn't know? I don't think he would. I think there's a select group of people that he was able to say something like this to. It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him to whom they come. It were better for him that were millstone were hanged around his neck and he cast into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. And I thought about that. And I thought about the character that we have within our church and, and, and about the way we act and the way we respond. And, but do we not understand the, the impact that we make on other people? Somebody is hoping that somebody stand for something different than everybody else. You're not like, don't take offense to this and, and don't go out and tell it, but, but don't be known as a liberal church in town. Don't be known as the one who goes out and does whatever and it's, it's embraced, it's no big deal because it is. It is. Woe to him who offense is found because that means a purpose in my heart if I'm going to do something outwardly or inwardly or speaking or action, if I'm going to do something boldly before other people that I don't care who it bothers, I've got a problem. I'm not being productive. I'm not being effective. I'm being detrimental, detrimental, if you, if you would. I'm being detrimental to what th they should expect. So let me ask you for just a second. How many people in this church do other people look at you with words that, that have matter, that have volume, that have, that have authority with them? Or do they look at everyone in here and they categorize everybody because of you, because of your lack of a, a commitment or your lack of willingness to, to really serve in the way that you should? We've done so many things different in this church the past couple of years. And, and I know we're moving in the right direction. Don't take it like that at all. But you know what comes with the changes? We lower our standards in certain things. 
we lower our standards sometimes and, and things that we shouldn't. At least people tend, kind of take it for granted. We may be part of this church, but there needs to be something that sets us apart, that we're holy. Something that sets us apart, that we're, we're committed, that our words have weight to them, that they mean something. But when people look at uh, different places and different churches, many times a lot of people thought because we do some things different, we're, we're giving up on the holiness and, and separation, but we're not. Just because we dim our lights or we have music that, that's a little more inviting to a lot of people. We do not lower our standards. There needs to be a high standard in each of our lives for what we, we represent. Make any sense? There has to be a, a weight to what we have to say. And I thought about this. Do I take my life into consideration at the things that I do and the things that I go and the places where I go and things that I do? What if it offends someone? What if it offends somebody? Now, now you can't walk around paranoid and biting your nails and think you're going to offend somebody all the time. But when you openly know to do something and you don't do it and you are becoming an offense, you're coming and becoming a stumbling block and you're not productive. You're not productive. I think there's requirements that God had when we taught this of the so the scripture we were talking about him servanthood and, and stepping into servanthood. And, and that day nobody done that. Nobody. And that's why I think that what we do, nobody else does it. But we have to keep hold of our holiness and our devout convictions about things in life. There's things that should never even be entertained and that, that, that you have to watch and be careful for because there's things that we need to be responsible for. Romans 14. Let not your good be evil spoken of. It's a variety of things you look at when you read that scripture. Let not your evil, let not your be good evil spoken of. And that could be for how you represent yourself and what you represent, what you're doing or, or whatever. Let's go on down and bring a more light to this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Is, is what you eat, does that mean, does that distinctly set you apart? What if, what if Christians could only eat smoked meat? Michael might be okay, but the rest of us, it would get older for a while. What else? And then, and then was it just what you drink? No, it isn't. What you eat and drink are man rules, and they're things that we do. And that's why a lot of people get caught up in what they're doing. And I want to talk about that in just a second. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. As if I'm sinless before him. He welcomes me. He wants to hear from me. He desires to hear from me. But I don't always desire to hear or talk to him. It's now when I have a need, I want to receive, but I often, often don't give back the way that I should. Verse 18, for he that is, for he that, for he that in these things 
Serveth Christ is acceptable to God and, and approved of man. Let us follow after the things which make peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. I'm, I've thought about everything in my life. You know, I've been with Bobby Jane, one of them, one of them I've been with them a variety of places. And, and the thing that's so good about having couples that we eat with and stuff is that you don't have to worry about infringing on their toes. You don't. You expect a certain behavior, and that's what's given. Are you with me? If, and I, I expect the same thing out of Aaron Tilly. If, if him and, we're not going to be big buddies, but, but Aaron and Ashley were a big buddy of my wife and I's, uh, and we was going out to eat, and we were doing something, I would not expect them to respond or, or do anything that I would not do. I would expect them to live a, a certain li- a lifestyle that's pleasing unto God. Let us therefore may, after these things, make peace, uh, things wherewith they may edify one another. For me destroyeth not the work of God. All things indeed are pure. But what is evil for the man who eateth with offense? I'm going to read this again because I really want to drive this home. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. There was a debate in, in, in the New Testament about things that were acceptable and what's un, unacceptable. And you know the episode, and Peter, rise, Peter, killed him. He said, not so, Lord, for his unclean. He said, and he showed it again again. And he, he was making a point that the old, those old things were not as dominant as they once were. But neither, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine. Whereby thy mother, thy mother, thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. I'm going to tell you, we just read in, in, in Luke chapter 17 that people will be offended. I'm going to offend the people. Well, I, I took my jacket off. Some people are, I'm not, but I didn't offend you. But at one time, there was a time when people would have been offended. I remember my father, some people said once, because his arms were exposed in the pulpit, they said, talking about how ungodly he is because it took his sleeves off. I don't know. My dad wouldn't have done it, though, if he knew. Are you with me? If I knew I was going to offend you by taking my jacket off, I would not take it off. I would leave it on. Is anybody offended? But when you know, when you know, it's wrong. We talk about producing, we don't talk about offenses anymore because we're all afraid we're going to offend somebody, we're all going to upset somebody, or step on somebody's toes. Let me tell you, there's a way that is right. There's a way that is right. And there's certain things that, you, that we as a believer, and do you go to hell? No, you don't. I don't think it, in any way you would go to hell. But there are certain things that we can do and perform and react that we're not producing, we're not being effective, and we lose our witness, and we could if we would maintain things right, but we don't. You offend somebody on, in, on purpose. You offend someone with the wrong desires and wrong ambitions or whatever you want to call it. And the Bible says, woe unto you. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck than, listen, you may go to heaven but that person stumbles and he falls because of you. The way we need to live is that we live separated and committed to our relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? Offenses will come. They will come. But there is a certain requirement that I feel like I have in this church and that I think you should have in this church. 
Taking ownership is something very, very important. Something that you do and something that you live by. Where's, uh, is Misty in the back? If you can find something to put on the music. I, a couple weeks ago, I did something about the eye gate, and, and then Wednesday night, I did about the ear gate, and did something about the mouth gate. We'll get to that this week, but I really feel like anything that, that I feel like I need to share, it may have been different. But don't be offensive. Don't be offensive. Let me say it again. Don't be offensive. How you walk, how you talk, what you do, you need to make sure you're not ever a bad reflection upon Christ. Right? Now some of you may be mad at me, and I hope you come back, but I hope you're not too mad. But it's easy to get caught up in just performance and the wrong attitudes. But I want to make sure we in this church, we make sure our attitudes are right. We don't do things to offend people and say tough, get over it. We do things right. Lord, our performance is so important. I know, God, your grace is big, it's huge, and it engulfs us all, and, and I understand that about grace. But, Lord, in my performance and my example and the fruit of my example and, and all these things measure up, and I'm living in a way that is producing results, I also want to be aware, be aware that, Lord, what I do can cause offense. If there's something, Lord, that I've done, and any one of us have done, welcome it. Lord, I pray you bring conviction to our hearts. That, Lord, that we will not be offensive to anyone. But, Lord, that we cannot cause our brothers to stumble and our sister to stumble. First few minutes of this message, I really struggled. I don't know why. Maybe my performance wasn't what it should have been. I don't know, but I know this. And whenever I gave my composure, I pray that you stopped and you listened. Because what happens to someone who gets instruction in the performance and the deeds, and then they get instruction on offenses, Lord, they get discouraged. Father, I pray for everyone that's in here, that God, that their heart will be so in tune with you and so responsive, Lord, and that, that they would find value, that they find great value in the words being so influential. And the words being so listened to by others. But God, I pray that if we got other things in our life, 
anything, anything in our hearts that we do that's offensive to you or offends our brother or causes someone to stumble, Lord, make us aware of that one thing. I don't want to be the guy who always, who's always windy at work. But I pray that my words, they may be kidding a lot and lied about a lot of things. But if it's about how you live, I pray that it's very, very devout and very committed in your walk with the Lord.